I guess I can go first this time. I don't know if we take turns or not, if we just suck. We just suck. Uh, oh, is it recording? Uh, yeah, but I'll be clipping it. I just, like, so I can... No scoping it. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Homicide. <laughs> you probably heard that in there, because uh, I was recording ahead of time. I was like, I want to include that. Anyways. Don't include it, please. Uh, I think I will. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is our episode on paranormal-related murders, and I am bastard number one, Ash. I am bastard number 18, Ari. You've gone down the list, huh? I went up and then I went you down. You went from 5 to 69 to 18, interesting. Yeah. Really not very stable on there, huh? I've never been stable on anything in my life. Yeah. You set me up for that joke. I did. Good job. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I already did the Twitter thing. Um, uh, so you can not follow us on Twitter. Or you can follow us so you can get updates and also communicate with us. I'm, if you want to. If you don't want to, then die. If you don't want to communicate with us on Twitter, find a rock, tape a note, throw it into your local pond. Or police station. And we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So... For my paranormal one, this was a hard one to find stuff for, so it might be just as short as the last episode. If not shorter. Uh, I don't think it'll be shorter, because mine is... Got a lot of content. Ooh, that's some... I'm talking about the Hammersmith Ghost Murder Case of 1804, which set a legal precedent in the UK regarding self-defense. Whether or not they can be held liable for their actions if they were the consequence of a mistaken belief. As in, if you think someone's a ghost, can you kill them? <laughs> a number of people claim to have seen and even been attacked by a ghost in the Hammersmith area of London. Yeah, this is becoming a ghost podcast, I swear, I wish. A ghost believed by locals to be the spirit of a suicide victim. On the 3rd of January, 1804, a member of one of the armed patrols set up in the wake of the reports shot and killed a bricklayer, Thomas Millwood, mistaking the white clothes of Millwood's trade for a ghostly apparition. (laughs) Because, of course, if you see a ghost, you shoot it. The culprit, 29-year-old excise officer named Francis Smith, was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death, commuted to one year's hard labor. So wait, 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 let me get this right. He was going to be killed, and said he had to work for a year. That would make me want to die. Okay. The issues surrounding the case weren't settled for 180 years <laughs> until a court of appeal decided finally in 1984. I forgot that you could just, like, postpone shit for, like, hundreds of years if you wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, the ghost from November 1803. I'm doing this. I'm doing BuzzFeed Unsolved Voice. Did you know that I don't believe in ghosts? I think I did know that. Dope. From, December, from November 1803, a number of people in the Hammersmith area claimed to have seen and some to have even been attacked by a ghost. Local people said the ghost was of a man who had committed suicide the previous year Weez. and had been buried in Hammersmith Churchyard. The contemporary belief was that suicide victims should not be buried in consecrated ground as their souls would not then be at rest. The apparition was described as being very tall and dressed in all white, but was also said to wear a casket garment with horns and large glass eyes at other times. Do you like this voice? No. <laughs> Stories about the ghost soon began to circulate. Two women, one elderly and the other pregnant, were reported to have been seized by the ghost on separate occasions while walking near the churchyard. They were apparently so frightened 
They both died from shock a few days afterwards. Ken. <laughs> a brewer's servant, Thomas Groom, later testified that while walking through the churchyard with a companion one night for sex, at close to nine p.m. Fucking a churchyard. It's a it's a it's eighteenth century. I'm gonna fuck. Nineteenth century. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the nineteenth century. I'm gonna fuck in a graveyard. I believe in spirits. I don't know if people people just throw their bones. <laughs> At close to 9 p.m., something rose from behind a tombstone and seized him by the throat. Hearing the scuffle, his companion turned around, at which the ghost gave me a twist around, and I saw nothing. I gave a bit of a push out with my fist and felt something soft like a great coat. On, night, on, 29th, 20, on December 29th, William Girdler, a night watchman, saw the ghost while near Beaver Lane and gave chase. The apparition threw off its shroud and managed to escape. With London not having an organized police force at the what time, the and as many people were very much frightened, according to Girdler, several citizens formed armed patrols in hopes of apprehending the ghost. <laughs> you fucking dumbasses. You don't just apprehend a ghost. I hate that. <laughs> at the corner of Beaver Lane, while making his rounds at 10.30pm on the 3rd of January, 1804, Girdler met one of the armed citizens patrolling the area. Oh, I've been recording podcast for too long my voice is starting to perish die should have made tea girdler met one of the armed citizens patrolling the area 29 year old excise officer francis smith armed with a shotgun bang 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 <laughs> smith told girdler he was going to look for the supposed ghost girdler agreed that he would join smith after he called the hour at 11 p.m and that they would take the ghost if possible <laughs> they then went their separate ways <laughs> So they acknowledge that this is a fucking ghost, but they're like, we can arrest this bitch, right? Yes, they were. I hate this. They're so fucking stupid. <laughs> Just past 11 p.m., Smith encountered Thomas Millwood, a bricklayer who was wearing the normal white clothing of his trade. Linen trousers, entirely white, washed very clean. A waistcoat of flannel, apparently new, very white, and an apron, which he wore around him. Millwood had been <laughs> heading home for a visit to his parents and sister who lived in Black Lion Lane. According to Anne Millwood, the plasterer's sister, immediately after seeing her brother off, she heard Smith challenge him, saying, Damn you, who are you, and what are you? Damn you, I'll shoot you. After which, Smith shot him in the left of the lower jaw and killed him. Hey, hey, fuck, fuck you, ghost. Bang, bang. <laughs> after hearing the shot, Girdler and Smith's neighbor won John Locke together with a George Stowe, met Smith, who appeared very much agitated upon seeing Millwood's body. The others advised Smith to return home. Meanwhile, a constable arrived at scene. Wait, didn't they say that there was not an organized police force in I think Florida? a constable is different than the organized police. Okay. I don't know. I don't always think of constable as British cop. A constable arrived at the scene and took Smith into custody. Millwood's corpse was carried to an inn where a surgeon, Mr. Flower, examined the body on January 6th and pronounced death to be the result of a gunshot wound to the left side of the lower jaw with a small shot about size number four one of which had penetrated the vertebrae of the neck and injured the spinal marrow wait wait a surgeon mister not doctor it was the 19th century I there was no MDs <laughs> I'm so upset you just had to be good with this knife to be a surgeon in that year <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm... <laughs> anyway so basically Smith was tried for willful murder the dead guy's wife was like, hey, you shouldn't wear the white because you'd already been mistaken for a ghost before. And he was like, <laughs> Bro, you already been mistaken for 
God damn this. And apparently, while Smith had called on her brother, his sister called on... While Millwood's sister testified that Smith had called on her brother to stop where he would shoot, he then immediately shot. So, the chief judge was like, Malice is not required to murder merely an intent to kill, and clearly Smith had an intent to kill. So, the Lord Chief Baron, which is a judge, I guess, um, observed that he neither acted in self-defense or shot Millwood by accident. He had not been provoked by the suspicious apparition or had attempted to apprehend it, so he had not committed any offense to justify being shot, and even if the supposed ghost had been shot, it would not have been acceptable. As frightening as a lot to be a ghost would not be a serious felony, but a far less serious misdemeanor. So they're just like, hey. What the fuck? Th- this this uh, murderer's good character means fuck all. So the jury uh, was told to find him guilty of murder if they believed the facts presented by the witnesses. And it took them an hour, and they were like, yeah, it's manslaughter. <laughs> Get fucked. And they found the form of the jury the court could not receive such a verdict, and that they must either find Smith guilty of murder or acquit him. So the judge was like, hey, no, I don't like that. <laughs> the jury then returned with the guilty, a verdict of guilty. <laughs> so then they killed him. I forgot that that's what it was like. They were li- Oh, wait, actually they presented it to the king with the power to commit the sentence, and the king was like, instead of hanging dissection... Just work for a year. God. Had meanwhile persuaded the true culprit to come forward, John Graham, an elderly shoemaker, had been pretending to be a ghost by using a white sheet to frighten his apprentice, who had been <laughs> scaring the Graham children with ghost stories. <laughs> he just pretended to be a fucking ghost. I wish I could scare you by putting a white sheet over me and be like, ooh. Oh no, linens. My worst nightmare. Oh no, laundry. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do it. The question of whether acting on a mistaken belief was a sufficient defense to a criminal charge was debated for more than a century until it was clarified at the Court of Appeal in the case R.B. Williams, Gladstone, 1984, concerning an appeal heard in November 1983. The appellant. Okay. Gladstone Williams had seen a man dragging a younger man violently along the street whilst the latter shouted for help. Mistakenly believing an assault was taking place, he intervened and subsequently injured the purported assailant, who was actually attempting to apprehend a suspected thief. Williams was convicted of assault, occasioning actual bodily harm. At the appeal, the Lord Chief Justice uh, Lane, uh, I guess what they call judges, still, still, they still call them Lord Chief in Britain, which is whack. Yeah. Um, Fuck that. Was like, hey, these have been a debate for years, so maybe we should um, figure out what's going on with this. In a case of self-defense, where self-defense or the prevention of crime is concerned, if the jury came to the conclusion that the defendant believed, or may have believed, that he was being attacked or that a crime was being committed, and that force was necessary to protect himself or to prevent the crime, then the prosecution have not proved their case. If, however, the defense's alleged belief was mistaken, and if the mistake was an unreasonable one, that may be a peaceful reason for coming to the conclusion that the belief was not honestly held and should be rejected. Even if the jury came to the conclusion that the mistake was an unreasonable one, if the defendant may genuinely have been laboring under it, he is entitled to rely upon it. So the appeal was allowed, the conviction was uh, sent away, and was written into law. So basically, after 180 years, like, uh, so, if you actually think you're in danger, 
or someone else is in danger, even if it's from a ghost. Fuck it. You can kill him. Nice. <laughs> I hate this. Yeah. Anyways. Whose turn is it? It's my turn. Number 18. A bastard number? Wait, which bastard did I say? 18. 18? I'm 18 today. Okay. Um. Thelma Ann Taylor. So this is the murder of Thelma Taylor, who is reportedly a ghost now. Um. So, Thelma Ann Taylor... Uh, December 12th, 1933 to August 6th, 1949, was an American 15-year-old girl who have, was murdered in Portland, Oregon in 1949 after having been disappeared on August 5th. Her body was discovered the following week on August 11th. Taylor's murder became a worldwide fucking... Basically, people started flipping shit, and they were like, holy fucking shit, what the fuck happened? And it became really mass media, very dangerous. Um, dangerous, very spoken about. And the perpetrator, Morris Leland. What a stupid fucking name. God, who names your kid Morris? Morris Leland sounds like somebody was, like, mixed up the first name and the last name. <laughs> so it's like, Leland Morris? That sounds reasonable. Morris Leland? Ooh, I think I messed up the birth certificate. Well, yeah, you fucking did, moron. Was So this dude was fucking executed. Sorry. Um, this dude was executed in 1953, uh, four years after he committed the murder. Uh, the site of the murder is in St. John's and occurred underneath the St. John's Bridge. The land is now known in as Cathedral Park. So Cathedral Park, if you've ever fucking been there, is actually nice. Oh, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, so uh, there's a ghost there, and her name's Thelma. So, she was a sophomore at Roosevelt High School, and she was waiting for a bus in the St. John's neighborhood in northern Portland, intending to travel to a nearby town of Hillsborough to get a summer job picking beans. Also, wow, if you live in North Portland, going to Hillsborough for a job It's not worth it. Is, it uh... It's not worth it, but go off, Taylor. I'm sorry. Especially, what year was that? Uh, 1949. Jesus, how did you... What? Roosevelt's in, like, near, I think. Yeah, but that's still super far to go without a car. I know, I Especially guess... Especially since the bus system would not have been very great in the 40s. Yeah. That's impressive. While Taylor was waiting for the bus, she was accosted by Morris Leland, a 22-year-old ex-convict... What? Who asked her to accompany him to a spot by the Willamette River under the St. John's Bridge in the nearby Cathedral Park neighborhood. Upon arriving in the secluded area, Leland held Taylor captive and attempted to rape her, but stopped when he found out she was a virgin. She was 15. This poor Thelma. Wow. What a weird... What the fuck? And, like, Morris is, like, 22, and he was, like, an ex-con, and he was like, oh, you're a virgin, I can't do this. I, I can kill you, but, like, taking your virginity and not marrying you... Listen, I'd rape a 15-year-old, but if you're a virgin, that's off the table. I hate this man. That's such a bad... What a... What a... What the fuck? Okay. Oh, he did kill a person. Yeah, he did. So the two slept under the St. John's Bridge, which at the time was undeveloped and full of thick underbrush. I'm sorry, wait, why did she stay? Was she forced to stay? I think she was probably forced to stay, but they, like, just didn't talk about it. In the morning of August 6th, Taylor began screaming for help after hearing workers switching train cars at the nearby train yard. Leland then killed Taylor 
when he struck her on the head with a steel bar multiple times, stabbed her with a knife, then threw the steel bar and knife into the river, wiped his fingerprints off on, off of Taylor's lunch pail, and gathered up the cigarette's butts. He buried her body in a shallow grave under a pile of driftwood. He was arrested for automobile theft by the Portland police, and he subsequently kidna- confessed to kidnapping and murdering Taylor, though he claimed she'd gone with him willingly. On August 19th, he was indicted on tr- charges of first-degree murder. At his trial, he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. His trial began on October 4th, uh, 1949, and on November 11th, he was convicted of murder and sentenced to die. Um, he was initially sentenced in the on January 20th of 1950, but his date moved up after he filed for a new trial. However, his plea for a new trial was denied on December 18th, 1949. He was killed on April 20th, 420, uh, 1951, and he was sentenced to be executed. He was killed by gas chamber at Oregon State Penitentiary, which is interesting. Oregon still has a death penalty, by the way. It's just on hiatus. Yeah, we just don't use it ever. It's on hiatus. Yeah. I hate that I use that word. Um, Taylor was buried in Columbia Century cemetery park rose neighborhood of portland the site of taylor's murder under st john bridge has been developed into a public park called cathedral park opening may 3rd 1980 and there's also and so the the murder on the land has led to folklore that basically people were horny for a ghost story and so they were like let's use this poor girl and let's just make her our fucking ghost story and say she's mad about what happened to her so, yeah. people were just horny for a ghost story and made her a ghost story. I don't think it's haunted. I don't believe in ghosts. No. I... Let's talk about the Cock Lane ghost, because I saw that on Wait, the bottom that's... of the page. Wait, that's... Oh my god. So, it's a purported haunting that attracted mass public attention in 1762. The location of the lodging on Cock Lane... Well, that ended there. That's it. That's it. All we need to know. Cock Lane was haunted. Cock Lane... Anyways. I don't uh, believe in ghosts, but I believe in the cock lane haunting. Let's see. Instead of, I think this is another situation where the how would you kill would be a little more... What kind of... A little who, hard to do. So how would you haunt the person? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So I would haunt you. Um, I would just make everything slightly less convenient for you. Like, I would make your car, car turn slightly slower. I would make your laptop run slightly slower. You're a bitch. I would make everything you try to cut, like cut... Just takes slightly more work. I hate you. It would piss me off so I would much. Make your TV take half a second longer to turn on. I actually hate you. <laughs> That's so frustrating. I okay. Here's what I would do. I've actually thought about this. I would make sure that whenever you put your left shoe on your left foot, it's actually your right shoe. And so I. So you've just basically just done one of the things that I said I would do. Yeah. No. But like consider this i would do that that's like the first thing that i would do right and then i would hide all of your charging cables okay in somewhere but i would just do it in your shoes um and then i don't know what i would do i would probably start getting i would get bored eventually i can't like do things so i would probably just start getting bored and start like poltergeist and like throwing things around And, like, being obnoxious. But I know you would guess it was me if I did that. Oh, absolutely. Because you'd be like, who else would be obnoxious enough to throw my shit around, but then, like, feel bad and not break any of it, but would just, like, lightly toss it at me? It, It's me. And so then you'd be like, 
you'd figure it out. Yeah. So then I would I would haunt you after that by uh, raising your hand in class when you didn't raise your hand. So you. So ha- minor convenience thing to think of. You're uh, whenever you try to insert a USB cable, it's the wrong okay. side the first three times. I'm so mad. Um. I'd log you out of all your, of your accounts. <laughs> your left uh, headphone in earbuds clips out. <laughs> That's you clipping in and out of the earbud. Um. Spiritually T-posing. I'd spiritually T-pose on you. Yeah, I'd make all of your watch, all of your clocks either run fast or short, fast or slow, but not none of them are synced up. I'm so paranoid about that. Don't even joke about that. I'm actually paranoid about it. I have a watch on right now, and I like always check my watch is eight seconds fast. How how do you know that if you don't like consistently watch every my alarm clock is four minutes fast. I would just if you roll the dice, I'd just shift it slightly. Like I wouldn't intentionally shift it any, to any specific number. I would just like nudge it a little more. When you play D and I'd fuck up your dice. I, mean, I would yeah. I would get rid of all of the positive energy surrounding you and all of the negative ones, so it's purely neutral. I would, uh... I'd haunt Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching this, Jonah. Um, I don't know what I would do to Jonah. Um... I would scratch my hands on a chalkboard. I would... I'd make annoying noises. I would spook any animal that is being friendly with you. Oh, Not any animal, but, like, every, every once in a while I'd spook an animal. That Keep me on my toes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else I would do. What's the most inconvenient thing I could do to you? I would constantly move all of your things around, so when you go to grab something, it's not there. I don't work like that as a thing. I know, but I would try. Like... Anything you put in one... I never know where anything I put is, so that wouldn't work, because I have to search for five minutes to find anything I own. I would try and hide it better. Like, you would just... Oh, you can't hide anything better than I hide things for myself. (laughs) You got me there! I'd put it in weird spots, though. Again! I'd eat your dice. Again! I know, you'd already eat your dice. If it weren't for the social repercussions, I would have eaten my dice already. That's so valid. Actually, you know who... We can't keep... We should probably end now. Yeah. Before we, this becomes a D&D podcast. Well, at Homicide Pod on Twitter. Uh, if you... 